I want to talk to you today about loneliness, and I've entitled what I want to try to say, Looking at Loneliness. We're going to go into the Old Testament in a few minutes to deal with that, but I want to say, first of all, when you think about loneliness, I think we have certainly experienced that in so many more profound ways during the COVID than we have in a long, long time. I do frankly believe that that loneliness is a greater problem than COVID and that it's a greater problem than cancer. Uh, I want to make us know that loneliness is not a sin. It is a consequence of sin in some cases. But loneliness is real. It's where we find that spiritual warfare going on so much. And when you think about losing a loved one, it leaves you in a lonely state. Grief is a price you pay for love. There are places in the Christian's life, in this journey that we're on, that you can only go one at a time. There's some really narrow places in life that you can only go one. For the most part, thank God that we are in a group. I think so much of the Word of God is about God's people being called the flock as a metaphor, or become one, that the whole deal of our eternal life is that we've been made one, that we're gathered into Christ. But, but there's a lot about loneliness that I think that is, that is beneficial too. I think some of the most beautiful things that we're ever experienced is going to be alone. You can walk out in the yard before daylight and look at the moon or stars by yourself. And you can have a feeling that only you can feel. Or maybe a sunset. Or maybe a red bird on a limb inside of the road in a tree. You know, sometimes loneliness is, is really God calling us to be really close to Him. But yeah, I wanted to try to deal with that from a biblical aspect today and ask God to help us understand it more and, and to deal with it. Because we know we, we need to be loved and we need to be cared for and we know, need to know that others do. And so many times loneliness brings a part of us that want to just give up. And so what I want to try to show us is how God deals with that because none of us are mean to it. I mean, loneliness, sometimes it's not so much as you feel so sad, you just feel empty. Just flat out empty. And, and loneliness is something that you can't give to somebody, I mean, the remedy of it, only God can. I'm just like, you'd be just like me, we're in this together. I'd like nobody to be lonely. My wife, my family, or you, or anybody that I know or care for, or anybody that I even know, don't know. It's a horrific thing. And, and the problem is, if, if, we're, if we're off guard on it, and I'm talking for a Christian, you can get into a situation where you can go the wrong way with it. And it can cause you to make some rash decisions. And, and cause you some lifelong consequences. 
Because the thing about loneliness, it has a lot to do with our relationship to God. Doesn't mean we're not going to still feel it. But what loneliness seems to do is take away a lot of our common sense. So may the Lord help us. I want to look at loneliness. And I want us to see five things from the book of 1 Kings chapter 19, if you want to turn there with me. Don't get excited. I'm not going to make this a longer sermon since i got five points. But at least I don't want you to be lonely. I want to take as much time of you as I can. I hadn't thought about that. That might work. 1 Kings chapter 19. You've read this before. It's the most beautiful part of Scripture. Life of the prophet Isaiah. I'm going to read verses 3 through 14. I want you to see with me and ask God to help us see this together. When we're looking at loneliness, we have to see, one, our fear. We have to see hopelessness. We also see grace. We see Jesus. And we see God's providence. I found at least those five things out of these verses, and I hope God will show it to all of us today that we can benefit from it as we look at loneliness. You see, the prophet Isaiah, great a man of God as he was, he was in the situation where he wanted to just end his life. He wanted God to do it. He got that low. What we're going to have to see there, though Elijah had been through a situation, he had already conquered the prophets of Baal. Already done it. This is the same man that prayed for water, for rain to cease to get Israel's attention, and it did it for over three years. He prayed again, and it rained. He's the same man that James refers to in the New Testament, the humble, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much, and he cites Isaiah in particular for that man. What this should teach us is without God, we are nothing. No matter what you've accomplished, no matter what you know or what you've done or what you had to, we've got to all know that we're all weak as water without God. I think even lately we know in, in the religious realm some very, very great men who have taught God's word most profoundly been revealed of the corrupt, sinful life that they lived all along the way. Very, very true, we're all sinners. But, but I think the point is, and I think why this loneliness connection is so much is we need God. And we can't make it without Him. But when we do, when we have God and we do, then, then we, don't, we don't need to, we don't need to uh, uh, quibble and, and, and squirm and, and to be so desperate and restless. It doesn't mean we won't still feel lonely. But it does mean that in that loneliness, we'll find God to be most precious. And who knows that God might use you and me in our loneliness to help somebody else and theirs. Here, uh, Elijah, because everything he's done, now all of a sudden, you would think this man would be saying, well, whatever God you want me to do, I will do it. But then there's a woman by the name of Jezebel that said, Elijah, I'm going to kill you. And the man starts running. He sees fear. He forgets what God has done for him. Verse 3, 
And when he saw that, that is Jezebel and what she had proclaimed to do to him, he arose and went for his life and came to Beersheba, which belongeth to Judah, and left his servant there. This is Elijah. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a juniper tree. And he requested for himself that he might die and said, It is enough. Now, O Lord, take away my life, for I am not better than my father's. And as he lay and slept under a juniper tree, behold, then an angel touched him and said unto him, Arise and eat. And he looked, and behold, there was a cake baking on the coals and a cruise of water at his head, and he did eat and drink and laid him down again. And the angel of the Lord came again the second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, because the journey is too great for thee. And he arose and did eat and drink and went in the strength of that meat forty days and forty nights unto Horeb, the mount of God. And he came thither into a cave and lodged there. And behold, the word of the Lord came unto him and said unto him, What doest thou here, Elijah? And he said, I have been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts, for the children of Israel had forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars, and slain thy prophets with the sword, and I, even I only, am left, and they seek my life to take it away. And he said, Go forth and stand upon the mount before the Lord, and behold, the Lord passed by, and a great strong wind rent the mountains, and break in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind, and after the wind an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake, and after that the earthquake a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire, and after the fire a still small voice. And it was so when Elijah heard it that he wrapped his face in the mantle and went out and stood in the entering end of the cave. And behold, there came a voice unto him and said, What doest thou here, Elijah? And he said, I have been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts because the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars, and slain thy prophets with the sword. And I, even I only am left and seek my life and they seek my life to take it away. I know it's a lot of reading of Scripture, but let's do it. Let's ask God to help us as we deal with looking at loneliness. The first thing let's look at is fear and see Elijah's fear and see our own. Far be it from us to think we're not afraid of anything. It's amazing. This is a natural reaction when you have fear rise up that you're going to run. And you know what? That is, that is a part of, of the consequence of sin, running from God. It started way back in Genesis. You remember what happened to Adam, don't you, when he sinned, he and Eve? He had been having sweet fellowship with God. Just God and they too, that was enough. You don't have to have a lot of people around you to have a good time or have peace and joy. Just Adam and Eve and God. But you see, sin has, has a meaning of death and it means separation. So after the fall, then Adam, you remember, hides from God. And God comes walking in the cool of the day and has to say, Adam, wherefore out art thou? Maybe God is saying that to you and me. 
and our loneliness. Now, I'm not trying to say that every time we feel lonely, it's because of some sin, but lots of times it is. It is. So, what's happening to Elijah can happen to us. He takes his eyes off of God and, and looks at Jezebel and sees more reason to run from Jezebel than he does to call and lean on God. See, the, un, the, the unredeemed flesh, every believer we have it, it is no different than the flesh of an unsaved person. You understand that? We need to understand how much we need God in this and, and to see the fears that, that can cause us to do some things. So what Elijah has here, when he saw that, he arose and went for his life. He's running away to save his life but he's going into the wilderness in Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and he left his servant there. Now, it's probably good that he did that. I mean, you know, when you're really hurting, you don't want to make anybody else feel bad. I mean, even animals, when you get an animal in the wild that gets hurt, they're going to get off by themselves. I think we humans are the same way. We have a tendency to be isolated and want that when we're hurting. And I guess there's a natural healing to that, but for the most part, God is reminding us that he is with us and he has something for us to do because the fear that we have is that, that things are going to overwhelm us. I think we've had a lot of fear to deal with in our country, in our community, in our lives. The unknown. Maybe we just need to settle back and see God in this and understand that faith is where we have, you know, the truth that God gives us to make us free means that faith has to be exercised so we have to walk by faith and not by sight. You know, I was thinking uh, this morning, I actually played this song. Maybe you can do it today. Uh, Zach Williams has a, a wonderful Christian contemporary song called Fear is a Liar. Try to listen to that someday if you can get to YouTube and do it. I think it has a powerful message. I mean, the things we run from maybe not be a, a Jezebel, but maybe it's because we don't think we're good enough. We don't think we're beautiful enough. We don't think we have enough. I mean, we're just constantly bound by fear. But I want you to know that God has made you the way you are. And the emptiness we feel is that, that lacking of, of grabbing hold of that God and that what God has given us and learning that contentment with God in all things. You see, God does not appreciate our fear unless it's reverential fear, of course. I was going to say fear is, or fear not is the great most used commandment in all the New Testament or the Bible. Fear not. The scriptures teach us that the righteous are as bold as a lion, but the wicked flee when no man pursues. And the deal is, you know, we do have some hard places in life to go through. We get our heart broke, bro our heart breaks. So Elijah, though, finds his remedy not in God. 
but his, his own self. So he runs. So I want you to see fear with me. But you see, fear is a liar. It will deceive you. Most of the things we fear don't ever come true. See, Elijah, can you imagine, he just thought this woman was just going to just deal with him. I mean, did he forget what God had already delivered him from? Have we forgot what God has brought us through? Have we forgot that Jesus Christ died for our sins on the cross of Calvary? Have we, not, have we forgot that God says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you? So we, we can forget, and we do. And, and so we see the, the humanity, the, the, the part of us that is so weak when we face circumstances that are against us, unknown. And these are real. I mean, I mean, I wish I could say it enough. I wish we could understand that loneliness is a real hurt. It's a real dilemma. Depression is real. And we don't have to say, well, you know, I'm just so big and so mighty that, that I'm so macho it's not going to affect me. It does. People sit in pews just like you do in churches every day and they're leaving their hearts so breaking and they're so lonely and they give you a smile and a laugh and you think everything's hunky-dory, but they're breaking apart. Oh, how we need God. And we need to show the love of God in one another. So see fear. Number two, see hopelessness. Look at verse four. But he himself went a day's journey. He left his servant. He, he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a juniper tree. And he requested for himself that he might die and said, It is enough now, O Lord, take away my life, for I am not better than my father's. I mean, here's hopeliness. You see a person that's really lonely and down and depressed, now lots of times they're hopeless. Now imagine, if we're honest with ourselves, we've been through some juniper trees. You ever had any juniper trees? I would say for the most part, there's probably not many Christians that haven't had thoughts of just quitting. I would say for the most part, there's a lots of God's people even that have thoughts of taking their own life. I've heard people, I've heard some of you say, why does God leave me here? And the deal is we don't know why, you know, we don't understand. We, we have this loneliness. We've lost the fervor of life and love and, and we, we, we've, been, we've been in that wilderness so long. But you know, I remind you, not only Elijah here, a greater man as this was, I think about Moses. Moses in Numbers 11 did the same thing. Lord, just take my life. I mean, when things are not going out, I mean, Israel was the rebellion, you remember? And he said, God just killed me. Jonah, you remember when Jonah ran from God? You start running from God, I'm going to tell you, friends, you're going to end up lonely somewhere on the road. In Jonah chapter 4, you remember he said, God, just take my life. I don't want it anymore. And David, the man that, that God says is after his own heart, he said, he said, Lord, just let me get out of it. If I could just be like a bird and fly away. 
I mean, you don't have desire, you just want to get out of it all and just exit. So, so these are real feelings. I mean, you know, when you feel hopeless. I mean, I mean, sometimes you just got to get by yourself to let the tears out. You ever had that sometime? You know, us guys don't like to do that. Sometimes we need to get somewhere by ourselves and just let it go. But no matter, and we're going to see this here, no matter how hopeless, how desperate, how far you've run from God, how overwhelming the wilderness is, there's hope with God. Nothing's too hard for God. He's going to prove it here, and he proves it in our lives every day. We can't say that about our lives personally, about this country, about the church. We are living in a God that is hope. And that hope is an anchor, if you will, to our soul. There was hope for Daniel in a lion's den. Three Hebrews in a fiery furnace. Lazarus that had been dead four days. <laughs> oh my goodness, we need to see the God of all hope. You know, sometimes you can be lonely just because you take a stand against the culture that we're living in. You start standing for right in this world today and you're going to find out you're going to be alone in some places. And so you're going to be willing to bear that. You take a young boy or a young girl that makes up their mind in their teenage years, I'm going to be a virgin until marriage. You make a commitment to God and I'm going to guarantee you, you're going to be alone. You start believing in the truth. Have you ever felt like, you know, well, nobody believes like me. <laughs> Don't give in. Martin Luther didn't. He said, salvation was by grace. He said, by the law, no man is justified. And his cohort said, you just go home and get in your cell and don't say anything about this. He was alone, but he stood his ground. And you're not going to be the most popular when you run for God. But I'll tell you now in the world today, it's the greatest time we've ever seen that I've known to be alone. And be willing to stand alone for Christ alone, by faith alone. And see what God will do. Number three, see grace. See, God knows exactly how much loneliness we can take. He knows how hot to keep the oven. How long to keep his vessels in there. After all, he's the potter and we're the clay. So here's Elijah who has disobeyed God, who has pretty much annulled the very purpose God has sent him to do when he decides to just belittle God's previous victories. Don't you ever belittle what God has brought you through in this life so far. By running from what you're facing right now. Did you hear me? So Elijah said, I'm just going to give up, God. I can't do this anymore. This fear I have. 
whether there's nobody will like me, or whether I'm going to be in a nursing home, or do this or that, or how this is going to be. You stay with God, and God will bring you through it. But you know what? I want you to see grace in your loneliness. God didn't kick Elijah out feeling like that. God didn't say, well, what do you mean denying me? God didn't kick Peter out when Peter denied him, did he? Same little maid, or are you little maid? He wept bitterly. God said, Peter, when you aren't converted, strengthen your, your brethren. I'm going to tell you, in your loneliness, when God see you see his grace, you come out of it. You remember now, you remember that, that in loneliness, in isolation, is where a caterpillar grows his wings. And changes his features. God is shaping and molding us in our lives. He's not going to quit in that even when we're alone. And the thing about grace that is so amazing. It's not that God saved a wretch like me or you. It's amazing because God loves us just as much when we sin. And when we have run away from him and willing to give up, then he's loved us any time before. See, God's love never changes. It never does. See what God does in verse 5? And as he lay and slept, Elijah, under a juniper tree. You know, one of the greatest gifts God gives us in our loneliness is sleep. Now, the older I get, sometimes I don't sleep as good. I didn't sleep as good last night for some reason. My wife probably knows. <laughs> but nevertheless, it's a gift. I mean, what if we never could sleep? I mean, it's a reprieve from loneliness. And so he, he, he gives him sleep. And behold, not only that, an angel touched him. How many times has an angel touched you? You know, when Daniel, I was talking about him while I was going to the lion's den, you know what closed that lion's mouth? The Bible says an angel did it. Isn't that amazing? I was reading the other day in, in Matthew where, where God, Jesus says, be like little children. And he says, you don't ever bother one of these little children. If you bother one of my little children, he says, even their angels in heaven, their faces are reflected in their angels. They have angels in heaven. Ministering angels. So here this angel comes and he touches him and an angel touched him and said, arise and eat. And he looked and behold, there was a cake baking on the cold and cruise of water at his head and he did eat and drink and he laid him down again. How many times do you think that God has sent an angel to you and it was an angel unawares? Maybe you have been that angel unawares looking for loneliness in someone's life. 
I'm going to tell you, if you've given care and most of you have to your loved ones, that can be lonely. If you've got a wayward child and a child on addiction or drugs, I'm going to tell you, you don't get on the street and, and promote that. You don't tell everybody about it. There's men and women in alcoholic homes that cry day and night to God that nobody else knows about it. You might be blessed publicly, and there are men and women blessed publicly and have lots of stew in this world, but I'm going to tell you, inwardly, privately, they get beat up pretty bad with loneliness. And they try to filter it, cover it. This is real. I want you to see grace. So what this angel did, he looked, and behold, there was a cake, bacon on the coal and a cruise of water at his head. And he did eat and drink and laid him down again. See what this angel's doing? He says, you got to eat. This is grace. We didn't deserve it. That's when God's grace shows up, when you're at your lowest. Brother Hugh, I looked at you, and I know this is a relative of yours, Sister Kay, uh, Sister Edna May, Proctor. I mean, many of you probably don't know her. I'll never forget that woman. When our son passed away, Sister Edna May Proctor was in her 80s at Upper Black Creek Church. I was not a preacher. Didn't want to be a preacher. I remember hearing somebody at my door, and I went up there, and Sister Edna May was standing at my sidewalk, the same house I live in now. And that woman was holding a pot of chicken dumplings in one hand and a cake in another. And she was so weak from the strain of just her body, she was just wobbling. Yeah, Brother Ann, I got something for you, you and Penny. So sorry to hear about your loss. I mean, that's ministering angels. You do it. Many of you do it. Keep it up. Loneliness is real and people are hurting. And so God sends this angel. Did Isaiah, did Elijah deserve it? No. You don't deserve grace. It shows up in the form of mercy. And the angel came the second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat because the journey is too great for thee. And he arose and did eat and drink and went in the strength of that meat forty days and forty nights and unto Horeb, the mount of God. So you see fear, you see hopelessness, you see grace. See Jesus too. Look at verse 9. He came thither into a cave and lodged there. And behold, that's the sea. Behold, look at this. The word of the Lord. Who is that? That's Jesus. John 1, 1 says, In the beginning was God and the, was the word and the word was God. And the word was with him. That's Jesus. The living word. And you know what? I want you to turn with me quickly to John's gospel, chapter 16. Because I want you to know that Jesus was lonely too. So don't you ever think that the servant is greater than his master. In John 16, verse 32, this is what it says. Behold, Jesus says, the hour cometh, yea, is now come, that ye shall be scattered. You'll be alone. Every man to his own. 
and shall leave me alone. And yet, I am not alone, Jesus says, because the Father is with me. (laughs) Now you say, and I thought, didn't the Father forsake Jesus? Yes, he did on the cross. But he never forsook him in the design and purpose. They were both like one in why he came. Sometimes it's going to seem like God has forsaken you. Sometimes it's not going to feel like everything is working out like you thought. But you can know that God in design is never, never, never going to leave you. And maybe, just maybe, God is calling you alone so that he can speak to you and bless you and cause you to grow in grace. He can do it. But you got to see Jesus. Now, did Jesus quit when he was alone? The disciples fled. Everybody talked about Jesus. How do you feel when somebody talks about you? Makes you feel lonely. And it hurt Jesus. It's real. I'm not saying that it's not, but I'm saying what Jesus did, what we need to do is say, God is with me. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 10. I want you to look at this verse, if you would, with me. I'll read it too much or quote it. But we need to see the Word of God. That's seeing Jesus. Here is Jesus. And this is why this Word is true. Only because of Jesus. 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says, There hath no temptation taken you, but such is common to man. Don't feel like you're the only one in this. No matter what you're going through. But God is faithful. How faithful is God? Timothy's letter says that when we're not faithful, God cannot deny himself. He abideth faithful. So God's faithfulness is not dependent on our faithfulness. Just like God's love is not dependent on our loving him, on our obedience. He loves us. But you know what? It's dangerous when God loves us so much. Because God is going to never leave us. And he's going to make us holy. (laughs) And he's going to make us holy in our loneliness. But such is common to man, but God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape, that you may be able. Now, Elijah, I'm sure, didn't think about this. I'm sure Job did. But did God do it? Yes. God's going to do it in your life too. He is faithful, that's why. He is God. See Jesus. And then lastly, and I'll let you go, you got to see God's providence. Verse 11, I think is where I felt like that was being said. 1 Kings 19, verse 11. And he said, go forth, this is God, to Elijah, so you got to go forth. Say back up, go forth. Take what you got right now, press on, okay? 
You can't change the past. I like to, but I can't. On the other hand, I don't know if I do or not. Go stand upon the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great strong wind rent the mountains and break in pieces the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind, and the wind and the earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake, and after the earthquake a fire, but the Lord was not in the choir fire, and after the fire a still small voice. So what's happening? You see God's providence in your loneliness. Why did Elijah come to Mount Horeb? You know, it's not by coincidence that's the same place that Moses saw the burning bush. Just he and God. Sometimes in your loneliness, in the dilemmas of life, and things that we should and hurt so much are the very places that we're going to see God's providence. And we're going to stand back one day and say, Yes, Lord. Thank you, God. Mount Horeb is also the same place that God gave the law. But notice God is telling Elijah, I'm not dealing you with judgment and law. See, God is so tender. And Jesus is described as a, he will, he will not quench the smoking flax or break a little reed. Because he knows our dust, he knows our frame, Psalms 103. He knows we're weak. So he says, I'm not going to base it on the law and the wind and the, and, the, and the fire and the thunder like Sinai. I'm going to give you that still, small voice. If you heard it, listen for that still, small voice of God. Because I know there's something in your heart. I believe in your, everyone here, I believe there's something in you telling you this is gonna, you're going to make it. You might not understand it. It might be lower than a whisper. But it's God speaking to you, calling us to being with Him. You know, sometimes a lonely walk is the hardest walk to take. But you know what? It's a strengthening walk. It does, it strengthens us because we see God's providence, we see His purpose and His design. I pray God would help us do that as we look at loneliness. I think that's something we all got to face and deal with. I mean, we're going to die alone. We're going we're gonna to be before God alone. When I say alone, God's going to be with us. May the Lord bless us as we look at loneliness to see fear for what it's worth. Carnal fear is a liar. Don't let the world try to teach you, tell you, how things ought to be, what you ought to look like, what you ought to do. Look at hopelessness and know that nothing is too hard for God. Face it. Go ahead and accept the worst. Go ahead. When you do, you get to the point of, you know what? No matter what. Because it eliminates that little thought that maybe if it got this bad, God might not do it. No, go ahead and accept the worst. See yourself run in heaven with God because of his grace. You see grace no matter what you're going through. All of us have received so much more than we deserve. See Jesus and see God's providence.
Would you bow with me? Lord, most precious God, we thank you so much for the loneliness that we experience that bring us closer to thee. We repent, O oh God, of the fear that we've had in persons, places, or things that has caused us to get ourselves in a dilemma, even a mess in life, and not stay close to you. We pray, O oh Lord, that you'd fill our emptiness by your presence, whether anybody else is around or not. You, God, are all we need. We pray, O oh Lord, that we might see Jesus above all. And in his loneliness, because he died for us, we shall not ever be alone, though we deserve it. We thank you, God, for the wisdom of your providence, for not letting us have everything like we wanted, for keeping us humble and reminding us no matter what we know or have done means nothing is nothing unless you constantly provide the grace to sustain us lest we fall away. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.